Welcome to the Travel Like a Boss podcast, the radio show all about traveling like a boss by being your own boss. Stay tuned for weekly interviews featuring guests that have built their own online businesses. If you would like to have access to our entire back catalog, visit travellikeabosspodcast.com for instant access. And here's your host, Johnny FD. Hey everyone, this is Johnny and welcome to episode 95 of the Travel Like a Boss podcast. I'm here with my buddy, Dr. Shannon Weeks from Portland, Oregon, now living in... Washington, D.C. Now living in Washington, D.C.? We live in Washington, D.C. now for a little while and then we're moving to uh, Lisbon, Portugal. Very cool. So I'm going to check that place out as well, so I'm excited. Uh, Shannon was on the show... Let's see, two years ago, almost to the day, episode three of this podcast. So if you want to go back, you can hear him and his lovely wife, who's also a doctor, uh, talk about moving to Chiang Mai or Thailand, starting the journey, selling their practice uh, in Portland. Yes, we had just uh, we had just started then. We were literally a month in Chiang Mai when we met you. And this was before the term digital nomad was really in popular. Our, it wasn't in our vocabulary. It wasn't in mine either. <laughs> it was, I met, I met these guys, well... Shannon and his wife uh, doing Muay Thai. That yeah. was kind of my, my old life. Yeah. And two years later, we're still friends. Yeah. And we've seen each other in how many countries now? Gosh, uh, four or five at least, I'm yeah. thinking. I can't, it's hard to keep. Saigon for sure. Saigon, Europe. Oh, you know what? We, we were did, in we, Europe and we missed each other by, by a day, day or two. We were yes. in Berlin. Yes. I think we missed each other by a day. But it's okay. Uh, so one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on the show is not only are you a friend, but... By default, you're also my personal doctor. Yes. Uh, and even though I try not to bug Shannon with my issues, he is just more than ha- happy to always help. Always so, always ready to help. So I appreciate that. Um, so we're going to talk about... A lot of people actually have, have this question. And we're going to try not to bump this too much. It gets a bit loud in the podcast. But um, one of the questions people have pretty often is, you know, concerns should they be concerned about their health while traveling should they be prepared with travel insurance should they you know watch what they eat should they you know what about this what about that yes and, and that's why i wanted to have you on the show okay yes so there's there's a lot there so hey, so let's get more specific what <laughs> what about what uh what would you, would you say were some of the bigger questions you get okay. asked so uh i will talk about what my personal choices for travel insurance and health insurance are uh in this podcast but i think more important than that is preventing these things in the first place preventing injuries like you just had an injury do the people yeah. know about your injury uh they do now so i, I was in a cast for uh, about a week and what had happened was according to the first two doctors i saw was a fluke accident i was getting older so as i exercised i had a common what they call a tennis injury something that just happens you know, as a man ages and he's walking around. You, you injured your calf. I injured my calf, tore yeah. muscle. Yeah. Uh, and there, there was, you know, there was no, there was no like real reason for it. So, you know, so my first doctor was in South Africa, really good, you know, really smart guy, really took, you know, time, patience, you know, well-educated. Uh, second doctor was here in Chiang Mai, also really took his time, you know, like we did an ultrasound and really cared, but also very Western as in, okay, this is how we're going to fix it. Here's some anti-inflammatories to take. Here's some painkillers. Right. Here's some right. tramadol. Uh, rest it for, you know, three to, you know, three to six weeks. Right. And then that's it. Right. Which is the, which is the general uh, standard of care if you go to a general practitioner for, for your, uh, you know, for an injury like that. Hmm. Uh, so, 
uh, here in Chiang Mai, there's a very active community. There's a big CrossFit community. Mm-hmm. A lot of people do Muay Thai, and um, there, there's a lot that goes that, that I get approached for. Well, how can I? How could I have prevented this? And you, yeah. you were the same way. And so there's a there's a few things when when someone comes to me and they say, you know, I've been CrossFitting or I work out and I've got neck pain, I got back pain, I injured this. There's some basic. Um, tests that I do to see, okay, where, where is your health in general? We did this, we did this with you, right? Um, a lot of, especially for men, a lot of the injuries that come from training often come from an imbalance in their musculature versus their, uh, mobility. Um, with men, uh, you'll, I find that, that, uh, there's a lot of focus on, on getting stronger, which is a great thing, but not as much, uh, the mobility is almost secondary to, secondary to that. So let's take let's take the squat. People uh, have people come. Oh, so I've been I was doing some squats and now my back hurts or I injured my hamstring or something like this, right? So the first thing I have them do is say, okay, well, well let me just see you uh, in a standing position, just sit down in in a normal, comfortable squat. What we would call the what you see around here if you go out in the villages in Thailand, people rest in, in a in a in an Asian squat, yeah. right? It's like a fob squat. People smoking while sitting on the street, S- sitting around, sitting around the campfire, sitting around eating, and they're just and, and the human body was designed to rest this way, mm-hmm. right? So you're standing up, which is which is your you're completely folded, your 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 butts on the ground, mm-hmm. and uh, and your and your feet are flat on the ground. Okay. Many people cannot, especially Westerners, uh, cannot do that. Mm-hmm. They can't simply sit in uh, in a squat position comfortably. Um, that is normal physiology. That is one of the ways we are designed to rest. We have these giant uh, uh, muscles in the front of our legs, that, and we're, they're meant to hold us, and, and, and it's supposed to be a relaxing position. If someone can't do that, then in my mind, they've, they've lost that position. They, they've lost some basic physiological function, right? This is simple. Being a human, this is what humans do. Every child can do this, yep. all of them. Uh, and and if you see a child, you know if they're playing around when they sit, they, they they naturally go to that squat position, right? It's a normal, comfortable resting position. So I think people listening to this, there, there's going to be two categories, and you guys can try this while listening, you know, because you should be able to sit in that position for for around how long? You should be able to sit there all day. It should be a resting position. Okay, <laughs> it should be comfortable, right? At least twenty minutes. Okay, right. So uh, here's a test: is feet flat on the ground? Yeah. Slowly, kind of go into a squat. Just sit down. And then keep your back straight. Uh, yeah, your back can be straight. You should be able to rest your arms on your knees at that okay. in that position. Uh, uh, you know, your knees can be, and you can point your feet in any okay. direction that's comfortable. It should just be a nice, comfortable squatting position. But the most important thing is the feet have to be flat. Flat, yeah. So your and, heels have to be down. You can't be like on the front of your, your right. balls of your feet. Right. Okay. And and if you're and you're yeah. And so if you have lack of flexibility, you won't be able, you won't be able to do that. Okay. So if you guys can't do that. Keep listening because this definitely applies to you, and that's the the park I'm in. Where you know, and I think honestly, it was part of my childhood growing up, seeing that as a fobby Asian thing to do. So I was very against it. I was like, I'm never gonna go in that position because uh, it makes me look like you know these fobby you know guys. Who what, sit, what is that word? Fob- so fobby is fresh off the boat. Oh, okay. So someone who you know, <laughs> basically you know, in growing up, a lot of people who you know, hung out in street corners or in front of school that sat that way and smoked cigarettes, I didn't want anything to do with them. So I was like, I'm not going to go in that squat. I had no idea that it was going to be detrimental for my health. Oh, interesting. Because I, I grew up in Southeast Asia where that was just how people sat. And so as a kid, there was not nothing abnormal about sitting that way. It wasn't until you got, you know, got to the States where that's not that you didn't see that. But that's, that's how everybody sits outside of the, you know, still, uh, 
in, in the villages okay. here in Thailand. And of course, here in Chiang Mai, everybody sits like a Westerner. But So for the people who just tried it and they're like, I can do that. It's easy. Do you think that... Because uh, I've met people like that that are very just natural. They're, they're usually just naturally limber. I don't think that they actually practice that. Maybe they're not actually that strong, but they just happen to be able to do that. Well, they have normal physiology. Okay. <laughs> right? Is what they have. They're, they're, they're just... That's normal. There's nothing exceptional about that. That's a normal physiological okay. state. So sit in that position. So if someone can do that, can they just stop listening to this episode? Or, or? No, so, so that's, that's, that's where we start, right? Okay. We start there. In my opinion, in what I've seen is that you have an athlete who comes to you and they can't do that. In my opinion is that they have no business putting weight on their back okay. until they can get that position because they're going to end up some point there's an injury. There's a knee injury. The, the body will give out at some point because you, you've lost this margin of error. Yeah. Uh, so you you know you can't do a general squat, but you throw 100 kilos on your back. You know that that's that's uh, that that'll lead to injury. If you look at an Olympic weightlifter, yeah. they have you know incredible flexibility in in the bottom uh, position and in their shoulders. Um, you don't see that as much you know in your general cross because everyone wants to get strong, mm-hmm. but you got to have the mobility part first. So now that I've been through this injury, 100%, I can tell you guys, please listen to this and don't just assume. You know, like, ah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, you know, it's not that big of a deal. It's, it's a huge deal. Well, and so what happens, let's say you're 30 years old and you can't do that. Uh, I can almost predict what your motion will be at 40 and at 50 and at 60. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, that becomes the person who, you know, I fall on and I can't get up. That person, uh, when they're old, it was the person who couldn't sit in a squat when they were 30, right? Because you get progressively, it, it, it doesn't get better on its own. But you can rehab, and, and the great way to rehab that position is, you should visit that position, that squat position, mm-hmm. if you can't do it, about 20 minutes a day. Not in a row. You can do a minute here, 30 seconds there, 45, and, and as deep as you can go. A lot of times it helps to hold on to a, a pole or, mm-hmm. or a, a you know, leg of a table to get in that position. But if you just have a stopwatch and every time you sit in that position, you, you put it on by the end of the day, you want to reach 20 minutes. You do that for a month, then you're, you know, you're, you're going to increase that uh that position okay and i've been doing that every day for for 20 minutes uh kind of spread out through the day uh every 30 minutes i take a break from my computer and i'll go outside and stretch sometimes i'll just go in this position for you know even 30 seconds it's hard to be honest like if you can't do it it's hard yeah uh when i go to the gym uh in between sets of doing push-ups and other things uh i just sit in this position for a minute that's fantastic the other uh you know uh, as far as for people who work on their laptops, yeah. we talk about the importance of a standing desk, which is fantastic. And the other position that I recommend is is, is the squatting desk, where you put the laptop on your chair mm. and you just squat down in that Asian squat wow. and, and work in that position. And so if you're if you're working six seven hours a day on your laptop and you know half or three quarters of it is standing, the other quarter is in that squ- in that squatted position, um, it, you'll you'll find that's uh, real bit beneficial. So for someone like me who you know, can you know? I've been working on it for a while, but to be honest, I haven't been that consistent. I haven't been tw- putting in the twenty minutes a day. Realistically, if I really just actually dedicated to it, are we talking months, years? How long? Uh, yeah, you know, and really, it's just a matter of volume. The more volume you do, the quicker you'll be able to get that. And, and what I found is, once you have that position, it's hard. It's almost like riding a bike. You can lose it again, but okay. it's it's uh, once you have it, you tend to keep it. Really? Okay. So that I mean, is my my goal. Uh, by my birthday, July eleventh. Next year, 2016, I will be able to comfortably squat for 20 minutes at a time. Fantastic. The next position uh, that I always have every patient do just to see what their general mobility is, is that uh, there's this test called the sit-stand test. And it was, okay. uh, there was this research done by a couple um, Brazilian doctors, and they followed some elderly patients for six years. And they correlated the ability to do this test with longevity, meaning that the people who could uh, do this test... Um, 
score a perfect score on this test lived longer than mm. those who could. And the test is this. It's simply sitting down and getting up without the use of your hands. Mm. And so the easiest way to do that if you're in a standing position is you cross one leg over the other, you squat down, and then just get up without the use of your hands. If you can squat down without falling or without needing to put your hands down, uh, then you would score a, a five. If you can get up without using your hands or, or your knees, then you would score another five. So a perfect score would be a 10. Okay. And they would score you on this scale. So if I had to use a hand to get up, I would, I would lose a point. If mm. I had to, you know, if I wobbled a little, I would lose a point. So for those listening at home, uh, you, can, you can try this right now while listening. You can try to sit onto the floor without using your hands. Yeah, so you just, you're, you're, you're standing up, cross one leg over the other, mm-hmm. and just squat down. And, you okay. sh- and, and So you end up in a, in a, in a cross-legged position. Okay. And then with your hands out in front of you, don't touch the floor, just uh-huh. rise up. Uh, that, again, is normal physiology. There's, there should be a no age where you can't do that. So, so let's say someone's 90. Should they still be able to do that? They should still be able to do that. So I have an interesting story with that. Yeah, okay. So my, my wife and I, last year, we did a clinic uh, at a hill tribe about two hours south of here. We went there. We were invited by um, this organization uh, called uh, uh, Daughters Rising. Yeah. And um, they there's a village about two hours south of here that is very remote. Uh, they No electricity except for a few solar panels. And uh, they had some medical supplies donated, and we went up to, to have this clinic. It was a fantastic experience. And we were there for two days, saw almost the entire village. And a lot of people, uh, we, they would come and say, okay, what issues do you have? And, and there were many issues, but a lot of it was pain, right? Because mm-hmm. they worked out in the field, and they work uh, from when they're young to they're very old. And so, oh, my knee hurts, my back hurts, my shoulder hurts. And uh, so I started working. I remember I had this, this elderly gentleman. He was, I, think, I think the translator said he was 72 years old. And, I, and my, my bench was, was literally just a bench, right? Mm-hmm. And he had a, an issue with his knee. And so I examined his knee, and he needed an adjustment on his knee. So uh, I put him on his flat on his back. And I went to adjust it. Now, normally to do this adjustment, I grab the ankle and I put my, my hand, uh, my, my wrist under the crook of their knee and, and, I, and, I, and I bend the knee up into their chest. And I usually go to see how flexible they are, where, where their end range of motion is because I don't want to hurt them, I want to find that. Well, this gentleman who was 72 years old had the flexibility of like a 14-year-old gymnast. Like he, there was no resistance. He was able to completely fold his, uh, his uh, leg right up into his chest and it turned out that everybody was like that. Mm. Now, when they were sitting around waiting, you know, waiting for us, you would have a whole family. You'd have a two-year-old and then a 10-year-old and then it would be the, the older brother and then it would be the sister and the grandmother. And they were all sitting in this, they would all sit in, in, in this squat position, right? Uh, even the 90-year-old grandmothers. And so the idea of a tight hamstring was, was not in the vocabulary because their relaxing position from the time they're a child so when and the very old people would carry a a, a, a little chair that was about a, a square piece of wood that was about uh, an inch thick right so they would squat down they would put this little you know this this piece of board on, on, under their their bottoms to sit and then that was their chair that was the extent of their chair an inch off the ground um but none of them had uh had the flexibility issues that we see in the West. I mean, none of them. And it occurred to me, it's like, well, well where would they ever get that tightness? They, this is how they relax. Mm. They sit in this position. And so they have incredible, what we would consider incredible ankle flexibility mm-hmm. and incredible flexibility in the hamstrings. But then I realized, no, that's just, that's normal physiology. So that knee injury he had, if he wasn't that flexible. It would be way worse. Okay. No question about it. He would have, there's no question about it. Uh, 
the people get old because they stop moving. Okay. And, and the more inflexible you are, the less mobility you have, the older you feel and the older you actually, uh, yeah, it's harder to recover from injuries. Mobility is the key to, to, that's the fountain of youth. Okay, so if there's someone in our life who's, you know, 70, 80, 90, and they can, you know, they have this pain, they, they've, uh, they can't get up on their own, we should still have compassion to them because they, you know, maybe they didn't have this information before. They need to practice it. Yeah. You, uh, and, you know, if you have a, a, a grandmother and, and who's frail, they should practice getting off, off up the ground because this is one of the big things that leads to, uh, 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 I wouldn't say an early death, but an elderly person who breaks a hip, their mm-hmm. demise comes much faster because they stop moving and, and, and it's, you know, had they had worked on their mobility at a younger age and kept working on it, and so that getting off, getting up from the ground was not a task, but just the normal, easy thing to do, then you would have a far less problems with that. But if you sit all day or lie all day, okay. that becomes a problem. You can practice getting up, yeah. right? And that's a good thing to do. Ten times, you know, have them sit on the ground and whatever they have to use to pull themselves up, do that. For reps of 10, every day and soon, they'll instead of using two arms, they'll use one arm. Instead mm. of using both knees, they'll use one knee. And, you know, there's no age in which your musculature can't, and motor mobility won't improve. So I'm all about preventing th- these things from happening in the first place. So whoever's listening right now, you're probably not 70. So start doing this now because when you are 70 and you can't get up and you're having these issues. Yeah. That 70-year-old person couldn't squat when they were 30. I can yeah. almost guarantee it. You know what? And so if you can't squat today, that means if you don't change something, you're not going to be able to squat when you're 70. You're going to have so much more likelihood to have these injuries uh, and, you know, it, and and a worse quality of life, more medical bills, maybe even an earlier death. So, you know, I'm so glad that we're thinking about these things. Yeah. And on your show notes, well, I'll post that. I'll post that study, uh, this Brazilian study, because they are it's it's fantastic. Uh when you and then they followed this group for six years and how I mean correlation doesn't equal causation but it's it, it uh, and this particular study made a lot of sense as to why someone who could do that would live longer and I'm sure they lived you know when you move more it's you tend to be a happier life okay. I like that so for other uh, so physically uh, we got it we, we, you know we have to be more mobile uh, is there uh, like a program or a website or anything that you would recommend? Yeah, there's there's a, there's several great ones out there. The ones that I really uh, recommend, and one that I do is uh, called gymnasticsbodies.com. Okay. And there's another uh, great website out there called uh, gmb.io, which I believe stands for Gold Medal Bodies. These are both mobility functional strength programs that you can follow the videos okay. on they lay out their rep schemes and they're they're i find them fantastic what about that uh ito porto guy that so ito porto i'm a huge fan of i actually went to uh, one of his seminars in copenhagen last year oh. and what i found is that he has taken bits of out of all these so he has studied for example with coach sumners who puts together the gymnasticsbodies.com and he has incorporated all kinds of dance and corpora and gymnastics and all kinds of different movements to really uh, have a fully functional um, uh, human system that is both strong, mobile, uh, and makes uh, working out sort of more like play. Mm. And I, I'm, a, I'm a huge fan of what he's promoting. And if you look at videos, I mean, you know, he walks the walk. He's it, what seems like superhuman strength, but it's really, uh, for gymnastics, it's just 
basic stuff. I actually just saw a video of him and Conor McGregor, the UFC fighter. Oh yes, he he works with a lot of UFC fighters yeah. for like a lot of improvisatory motion movement kind of stuff, and yeah, it's fantastic. So I'll have links to all this as you guys, you guys check it out. I actually started going through just the first video on gymnastics bodies, and so I recommend that uh, I'll, you can follow my progress because I'll I'm gonna be definitely doing this just because it was such a big wake up call for me. It because it that injury. It was, I think the scariest part was for the first week when I had a cast on, I didn't know if it was going to be a two-week fix or if it was going to be a six-month fix. Right. And right. I think that's what, you know, really woke me up and made me realize, and, you know, I need to figure out how to prevent something like this in the future. Yeah. And this is it, right? Mobility is a huge part. Mobility and diet are the yeah. two biggest things. What about that book, uh, Becoming a Supple Leopard? Supple Leopard, yeah. So that, um, uh, I forget the author of that. Um, he's a big CrossFit guy. Um also, I find this great stuff. He's he's uh, he himself. He's in his mid forties and he's super flexible, super strong. He's got a lot of great videos on mobility. On uh, uh, Kelly Starrett, that's his name. Kelly Starrett. Yeah, Kelly Starrett and Glenn Cordoza, I believe. Yeah, and Kelly Kelly Starrett, I believe, was the author of that. And uh, he's got a lot of great stuff on mobility. And uh, I've known some people who've actually gone to his CrossFit uh, 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 box in. I believe it's in San Francisco and okay. have nothing but good things to say about him. He really knows we can look at somebody and realize, oh, you shouldn't be doing that. Your your body's not able to, you know, let's back it off a little. Yeah. And the hardest thing for men is that you usually have to back it off a few notches mm, and they don't okay. like, you, you don't, it's a little humbling, <laughs> but which I like about that gymnastics body because it puts you through a few tests and like, well, can you do these basic things? And you're like, oh, geez, I really can't do that. And it's kind of humbling. Like you got to take your fitness back if you're not, but it fixes these weaknesses pretty quickly. Okay, I, I like that a lot, and and he also has something called a uh, mobility wad, which is the, the mobility wad. Yeah, the great workout stuff. of the day. Yeah, yeah, it's great stuff. I'm a big, I'm a, I like, I like him a lot. Okay, but it sounds like, regardless of which one of these cho you choose, just do one of them. Doesn't matter. Yeah, any of them is better than none of them. <laughs> right? Okay, and and does this apply to both men and women? Uh, uh, absolutely. What I find, women tend to be more flexible. I'm not. Uh, I don't know if that's anything particular in physiology. If the exercises, the women that I see tend to be more on the yoga uh, or, or dance uh, scheme of things, which tends to have more mobility in it anyway. Uh, women, I find, have the mobility but need to work more on the strength. They actually okay. add weights. Men need usually need to back off on the weights and have more mobility. Okay. In so, general. So let's say there's a, a man or a woman who has pretty much zero, I mean, obviously kind of zero, but very low strength. Yeah. But let's say they're very flexible because they do yoga all day. What are the downsides of them not having the strength? Downsides of not having strength. Well, you know, muscles move bones. And yeah. so you need uh, having, especially for women, where, where as they get older, the risk of osteoporosis go up. Really, the only way to remold bone, the, the only way that I know that, that bone strengthens is through weight-bearing exercise. So for uh, if, if you're doing, whether it's lifting weights or lifting yourself, um, as you grow older, as you continue to do that, your, your risk of fractures go way, way, way down. Uh, being strong is not a, you know, it's not a nice thing to have. It's mm -hmm. like essential for health. And, and strong is separate, you know, different for everyone. Of course, a small woman is not going to be able to lift as much weight as as you, but it's proportional. Okay. Right? But like, so in general, everyone should be able to do like 10 push-ups? You should be able to do 10 push-ups. You should be able to do 10 pull-ups. Women maybe. Maybe not 10. There are women out there who can do 10 pull-ups. Yeah. But if a woman can do a dead hang pull-up, that is... Just one. Just, if they can that's do enough, a, right? That means they've got some real strength going. Okay. If they can do two or three, that's that's some real upper body strength for, okay. for a woman. And I know... Same... You know, a man... 
uh, tend, you know, of course they, they tend to have more, more musculature. They should be able, you know, 10 pull-ups is, if you can do 10 dead hang strict pull-ups, that's some solid strength. Okay. Uh, but it kind of, just to get started, 100% of people, both men and women should be able to do one pull-up from a, a dead hang. Oh yes, you, you should, and that's a basic skill, right? Yeah. You should be able to pull yourself up, mm-hmm. right? That's going to come into handy someday. You want to, you know, it's that whole I fall and can't get up. Yeah. Well, if you had this, if you could do a pull up, then you won't have that. You'll be able to pull yourself up. But many people they lose mm-hmm. that mobility, they lose the strength, and they literally can't pull themselves up. And so, you want to be able to get off the ground. You want to be able to pull yourself. This is basic physiology, and that we that we have lost that is. Uh, you know, it reminds me of that movie Wall-E. You remember, mm-hmm. remember the humans in Wall-E? Well, that's that's not too far off, right? All right, so that's homework for everyone. Uh, so as far as so I, th- I think we have the, the injury stuff uh, kind of covered. I know there's a lot to talk about, but what about like other health? So people that travel, they're worried uh, about getting sick, uh, about you know, yeah, disease. And, sure. Well, in the sickness, it depends on where you are, right? So when people talk about traveling, getting sick, usually they're talking about traveling in Asia, okay. not going to France, for example, okay. and getting sick. Um, and it's a lot of the basic things. What I found is that for, uh, yes, sometimes they actually get a food poisoning. What's more common is that the bacteria that is common in the foods and in the area in Asia is different from where they came from. And it's that contrast that makes them sick where you can see, well, how come they ate it and didn't get Mm. sick? It's not necessarily that there was a pathogenic bug in that. But that they're not that their uh, immune system or their and their gut biome is actually different enough where that causes usually diarrhea or something along that, those okay. lines. So I guess some rapid fire common questions that people would ask. One, uh, let's let's assume they're coming to Thailand. They're coming to like Chiang Mai, maybe sure. the islands or something, right? Sure. Yeah. Uh, maybe they're going on like an overnight jungle trek, but nothing you know, nothing crazy, right? They're sure. not in in East Africa. Yeah. Uh, should they get malaria shots or uh, pills? Um, I personally don't take malaria pills i know people who have gotten malaria and it makes you sick sicker than you've ever been okay uh there's not a whole lot of malaria in thailand i know there are pockets of it uh malaria does not worry me here in thailand there are areas of um of uh africa where i've known people who've gotten malaria i've known people who've gotten malaria who've taken the pills Okay. That is a personal choice. I would never tell someone not to do it. I personally, here in Chiang Mai, I don't know. There's no. I know there's dengue, yeah. and we we both have a mutual friend who got dengue here. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I don't take malaria pills here in Thailand. Okay. Uh, I've been in Thailand for seven years, never taking malaria pills. Uh, I personally never met anyone traveling in Thailand who has gotten malaria. I haven't dengue, but not malaria. Yeah. And and it's good to know that malaria isn't isn't instantly going to kill you. It can definitely kill you, okay. <laughs> no question. Okay. Malaria is a deadly disease, mm-hmm. and the people. I mean, nowadays, if you get treatment mm-hmm. uh, as a Westerner, you you know uh, people usually get malaria, leave the country that they get it, and they get you know the proper antibiotics. Okay. And and but they're I mean sick, really really, really okay. sick. You're not going to work. You're not functioning. Kind of sick. But uh, it, it it can absolutely it absolutely kills a lot of people. Okay. Um, so I've met a lot of people who have taken, been on malaria pills and I've met a lot of people who have been very sick taking those pills. The, the pills definitely cause side effects. There's no, I mean, it's the best and yeah. that's the, uh, you know, that's the, that's the trade-off, okay. you know, it, they, they'll make it, usually it's a nausea type of uh, sensation. Sometimes there's, uh, some neuro, neurological 
things that you get from malaria medications. Uh, I think a lot of people were sensitive to the sun. Like, so yeah, they photophobia. They there's a lot of that. So they couldn't be even out, you know, outside in Thailand because it's sunny. Well, yeah, they'd have to wear a cover. I mean, yeah. not everybody gets those, but it is it a happens. common side effect. And um, um, and here's the biggest problem is even though they're not supposed to drink, almost all of them still drank yeah, and they got really sick. Definitely not supposed to drink alcohol on malaria. So, okay. So I think so. the verdict for malaria is we cannot legally or ethically say do not get your malaria pills, but we can say both of us personally do not get it. I, again, it's in Chiang Mai. I don't know. Malaria is not common here in Chiang Mai. Yeah. I'm, there are, I'm sure there are pockets of Thailand where it's more common, but I I haven't been there. I don't know anybody who else is yeah, personally and, gone there. And but. you know what? If you guys think you're going to be there, you're probably not. So... Uh, Personally, I would say that it's not risk all the. It's not worth all the down the side effects because the side effects are real. the The chance of getting it is very very slim. Yeah, if you're in the um, islands in Chiang Mai and Bangkok, that you're uh, the chance of getting malaria quite low. Okay, but dengue is a real thing. Dengue is uh, a real thing. So dengue fever is also known as breakbone fever. You also get it from uh, mosquito bites. Mosquito bites. Yeah. Uh, and the best way to prevent mosquito bites is. Mosquito repellent, yep. maybe. And then, to be honest, a lot of it's common sense. Where if you start getting bitten, like, leave. Like, go indoors. <laughs> yes. uh, there's, I mean, uh, uh, to be honest, every single person I know who's actually gotten dengue or has had a really bad attack of mosquitoes, uh, they knew they were getting bitten. And they are like, oh, well, I'm out at dinner. Or I'm out, you know, I'm doing something. You know, I'm outside. Sure. There's nothing I can do about it. It's, like, it's, it's a rare one. It's tough. I mean, we're here in Chiang Mai. Yeah. I, I get a mosquito bite every day yeah. right but it's it's a little rare it's not as deadly as malaria you but you're still sick. sucks uh, it's terrible you're very yeah. sick you're I, pain. I, I have a lot of compassion for people who have gotten it, and I'm, I'm so sorry for anyone who's been through it uh and i always tell people anyway every time a, a friend has it uh and they post on facebook i always say like hey if you want me to come over and bring yeah. you food anything I'm, I'm happy to uh but 100 percent is use mosquito repellent even if it's just citronella just carry it with you use it you know, especially during uh, dawn and dusk when, when the mosquitoes are out. If you start getting bitten, like, do something about it. Don't just... And most of the restaurants here it. will actually carry it. And yeah, and you can ask for it. 7-Eleven yeah. has it. Yeah. Um, yeah, just overall. And I heard the only actual rem- like remedy that, that I've actually heard people use at works is papaya leaf. Oh, I haven't heard that one. Yeah, and it's weird because uh, here's the thing about a lot of, uh, like, homeopathic or natural medicine. Sometimes, you know, things are... You know, you're like, okay, well, yeah, maybe it does help a little bit. Maybe boost your immune system. Maybe it has some effects, but it's usually not like this cured it. But dengue has no cure. The hospitals can't really do anything. They can give you an IV drip so you don't dehydrate. Yeah, they usually give you an antibiotic that them. Yeah, so it's fairly uh, effective. Are, are they are they pretty effective? That yeah, I mean, you're still going to go through the course. Okay, but, um, but I've I've heard and, and from personal first personal like friends that the papaya leaf uh, and it basically is just like blended papaya leaf with water and oh. it's very bitter and it's disgusting but they've sworn that's the only thing that's helped fantastic so it, you know, it won't hurt you so i would try whatever <laughs> whatever whatever it takes to get over it quicker okay uh but preventing it is is key right number one um is there any real way to prevent you know getting food poisoning or sickness uh prevention of food poisoning that's also a uh, a difficult one mm-hmm. Most people get food poisoning through some sort of uh, waterborne thing. So they eat, they're eating vegetables that have been washed with tainted water, for example, or they're you know they're they're buying fruit that's already been pre-cut and washed with water. Uh, generally, if you're eating something that's been barbecued or boiled like a soup, you're less likely to get that. And it's almost okay. always from something that has you know, that's been carried in the water. 
So a lot of people are afraid to eat, like, let's say, they call it street meat, like barbecued meat on, on the street. Yeah, that tends to be safer because it's, it's had the, you know, they're not, they're, they rarely serve that stuff rare. It's usually barbecued okay. pretty well through. And, uh, I mean, I eat it daily. So even though it may kind of, almost kind of logically seem more questionable, you know, than, let's it's, say, it's, having... It's safer than the fresh salad, put it that way. Okay. <laughs> okay. So... Yeah, and you know that's the thing. A lot of people they'll have, let's say they'll they'll become vegetarian just because they're afraid of getting uh, uh, sick. Uh, of yeah, that's well, or they're not they choose not to eat the meat because but if the meat's been cooked, yeah, and all the meat here is cooked. Uh, it, again, generally you get food poisoning from some sort of waterborne carrier. Okay, and so in general, let's say your immune system is is low, are you more susceptible to food poisoning? Of, of course, okay. you're more susceptible to anything. Uh, if you get, you know, if you if you get that traveler's diarrhea, taking a probiotic, taking charcoal, that stuff absolutely does help. Okay, and and they sell charcoal tablets at everywhere in, in Thailand in Seven yep. Eleven, yep. like that. Yep. Okay. The thing to remember when you get something like that, right? The body is getting rid of it. So when you get this mm-hmm. terrible diarrhea, something's not that. Many people will take Imodium, for example, which yep. will which will stop Lock the diarrhea. It. But the problem is, is that you still have these bugs that are in there. Mm-hmm. The the diarrhea is your body getting rid of it. So you want to hydrate because you can get sick from from losing all that water. So you want to make sure you're hydrating, but uh, th- that's the body's way of dumping it. And so okay. when you take a, a, something like Imodium and you stop it, now that's great. Now that now that the Imodium works by stopping motility in your gut, but you still have that nasty bacteria. In okay. There. So if you're like on an overnight bus or something and you cannot, you don't have a bathroom, use Imodium for that night? Sure. I mean, you know, you got to do what you got. <laughs> okay. You got to do what you got to do. I'm saying that in general, okay. in general, when the body is dumping stuff, let it dump, stay well yep. hydrated. But th- so that that's the cure of it is just let your body run through it, have some charcoal, you know. Yeah. I mean, it, and again, it depends on the illness because sometimes you've got, you know, if you've got amoebic dysentery or something more serious, then you, you absolutely need to see, a, you know, go to the hospital. But for most of this stuff, it passes within a, a few days. Okay, so one thing about uh, Thailand in general, but a lot of places in Asia, is they, if you walk into a pharmacy for pretty much any reason, they'll give you antibiotics. Yes, and the pharmacies here, if you tell them your symptoms, they're more likely to give you something that the doctor probably would have given you anyway. Okay. Uh, that's what I found in the pharmacists here, is that it's true you don't need a prescription for an antibiotic. If you tell them you know, your symptoms or you go with someone who can... And, and generally, the pharmacies here you'll find an English, English-speaking pharmacist, especially okay. on, where, in these areas of Chiang Mai. So, so uh, the great thing about Chiang Mai is you don't necessarily need to see a doctor. You can just go see a pharmacist. They're going to give you pretty much what you know what you would have got at a, at a hospital. In general, right? for stuff like this, because they see it all, all the, the time, time. Okay. And, and they're familiar with it. Okay. So, but what are your thoughts about taking antibiotics for? You know, like for for what would you take it for, and what would you you know what do you think it's overly overly used for? Uh, Okay, so that's an excellent question. There are absolutely appropriate times to take an antibiotic, but that usually requires a professional opinion. Okay. There are times when people are given anti, for example, a common in America is someone get a sinus infection and it's a common for them to get an anti- antibiotic. But if you look at the literature, that antibiotic for sinus infection is only effective uh, 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 about percent of the time. So that's like 96% of the time. It does not work for that particular issue, the acute sinus infection. And one out of 10 people will, will get some sort of ill effect from the antibiotic, nausea or whatever. So it's very specific to specific. The right antibiotic for the right bacteria will 
100% work. If you've got an abscess in your tooth, mm -hmm. which is a very dangerous place to get an abscess, and you get the right antibiotic, that's life-saving. If you've got a sinus infection and they give you an antibiotic because they want to give you something, yeah. and you look at the literature, it's like the literature says this fails 96% of the time. Why are you giving it? You know, it's not, it's, that's not the appropriate time to take it. So and I find yeah. here, I find everywhere outside of America, it's, le it's less given as a first defense. Okay. That, that's my experience in Asia and in, in, in Europe. Um, they don't just hand it out like candy as they tend to do in the States. Okay. So actually, so in, you say in the U.S. they give it more often. Way really? more often. Okay. Way more often. You're more likely to get it. Okay. So uh, what about, so let's say you have a cold and they give you antibiotics. Yeah, of course. No, that makes no sense because a cold is a virus. Okay. Right. And, and you'll, you'll see that in the States too. And oftentimes that has to do with the amount of time that the doctor has to examine you okay. when you have a cold. But antibiotic for cold makes, okay. it makes no zero sense. Fever? No. Okay. No. The um, fever is the cure. Yeah. That's okay. important to understand. That's the body's way of attacking whatever is going on. And you do not want to shut that process down. You want to monitor it because mm -hmm. high fevers can do a great, you know, great damage. But yeah, uh, the fever is the cure. If you cut that fever off, you tend to lengthen the time of your illness, especially for something like a, a cold. So for me, like just rationally, even as a child, I always thought, okay, like I'm sick. Let me sweat this out. Let me get, you know. It's great. Yes, that's exactly what happens when you have a fever. So the, the viruses and bacteria, they die off at a certain temperature point, around 103, 104. And so as your body raises that temperature, it increases your immune system, increases antibodies going to that area. And uh, by, by shutting that off with, say, uh, with a, uh, you know, something like a, a Tylenol, you're, you're, you're shutting off the body's own healing process. Many people get worried because, oh... They worry more for a child because if the child gets a very, very high fever, uh, that can be a very dangerous thing. But usually, um, it can be it can be managed. So usually around like how high is too high? Like what temperature? Well, for adults, you know, when you when you start getting past 104, okay, then then it becomes well, what's going on here? And it really becomes why. You know, if it's something like meningitis, which is a very serious serious uh, illness, then. Um, that needs to be treated at the hospital. Generally for a flu, if your fever is around 103, which is a very high fever, you're very sick, you're usually, you know, that'll burn through and when that fever breaks, okay. you'll feel better. So basically, if you have a fever or the flu, get a thermometer. Get a thermometer and monitor that. If okay. it starts to go about 104 for, for an adult, that starts to get, okay, what's going on here? Okay, so if it's 104, go to the doctor. 105 is like you should be at the doctor's. Okay, so exactly, so at 103, you know, Get, get the phone number ready. Yeah, and, and again, you monitor the symptoms. You know, yeah. if you're not vomiting and there's not a lot of that going on, but a fever is a good thing. If sometimes if I have a feel of cold coming on, I'll go sit in a sauna for 20 minutes to get that get that system moving. And I've always felt like that helped me. And it, it, it's so crazy that this isn't like common practice, common knowledge. People think way more people take either Tylenol or you know because you feel better. And, and <laughs> what, what, what's, what's the common name for Tylenol for, for the non-Americans? Paracetamol uh, uh, Paracetamol. Yeah. Uh -huh. So and way more people would have taken a Tylenol or Paracetamol than they have like tried to sweat it out themselves or been in a sauna. Yeah, you just let it, you know, a virus is self-limiting and you just, it, you know, you just, you're going to be sick for a few days. Okay. <laughs> so you just let that, let that happen. Because you, if you do it, it'll, it's better to be sick for three days than kind of ill for five or six or seven days. That, you know? 100%, I'd rather have that too. Um, so so for, for young kids, the 104, would that be too hot then? Uh, 100, and this, you know, this becomes... Children tend to be able to burn a higher fever quicker. Okay. And for parents, it can be frightening yeah. because they see that, uh, you know, the child is really sick and they want to make them better. 
Um, and again, it's why do they have that, have that illness? You know, are they, is it truly something serious like meningitis or is this just a, a fever? And so for a child with 104 fever is, uh, usually they'll, they'll be fine. They'll get through that. Okay. Um, when you, they, uh, but again, again, you, you just, you want to monitor the symptoms. If you're worried, you can always say, but a good pediatrician will, will be able to see that says, no, that's a normal thing. We'll let this, you know, okay. you know, cool them down with a nice bath or something like that. Okay. I like it. But for adults that travel here, if you got a fever, great. Good. Go in the sauna. Go in the, <laughs> burn that sucker out. Okay. I like that. Um, so other common questions that people would have is then, okay, one of the reasons why people want insurance is they're like, well, what if I get sick while traveling? The, the nice thing about seeing doctors, especially here in Thailand, but in a lot of, I would say a lot of Southeast Asia, it's often cheaper to go pay cash than it would be with insurance. Yes. Well, I haven't been to a physician here, but I know many people who have. And it's, I mean, what was your doctor? You had an ultrasound that was... Yep. So I saw the doctor, had an ultrasound. It was $65. Yeah, that would be much more in America. <laughs> That'd be several hundred dollars. Okay. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and so so in general, I think, like, there, there's something called medical tourism, where a lot of people will actually come to Thailand and pay cash for either dentist, you know, dentistry work for some surgeries. Yeah. Uh, and it's cheaper than just the co-pay or the, the deductible. Yes, especially for insurance. major surgeries. Uh, there's a lot, there's a famous hospital in, in uh, Bangkok, okay. Bumrangat, I think, yeah. I forget the name of the word. World-class hospital. World-class. And people, you know, if you need something like a hip replacement, or it'll literally be a third of the price. Okay. Uh, here, I get my teeth cleaned every time I come to Chiang Mai because it's $25 and mm-hmm. it's done by a dentist. Yeah. And supposed to, uh, you know, the, the assistant. And so back home, if you didn't have health insurance, how much would it cost to get your teeth cleaned? It depends on the dentist, but usually over $100. Okay. And I think sometimes, even with insurance, you still have to pay 25 bucks. Yeah, there's still a cool paper. Okay. Yeah. So that's kind of one of the reasons why I don't have health insurance while living in, in Thailand. Uh, but then, and so for, for most of the time, so let's say you have, you need medication, you need antibiotics, you need, you know, you, you know even if you need a cast, you uh you can you can just go to the hospital or the pharmacy and you can pay. It's not going to bankrupt you. Sure. Uh, it'll be a lot cheaper than it is back home. Yeah. Probably the same. But it would, but the thing you would get it for is disaster care. If you got you know if you fell if you got hit by a motorcycle or something okay. like that and you you know you needed surgery, it would still be several thousand dollars. Okay. And you know the insurance generally will cover you for those things. Okay. So so let, yeah, let's definitely talk about that. Uh, I think even bef- even before that, I was even without um, any kind of insurance. If you get, if you know, knock on wood, but if you get hit by, you know, a bike or something and you have major surgery, it's not going to make you bankrupt. It'll, it'll cost you thousands of dollars, but it won't be like in the U.S. would it be, you know, weird. No, it won't. It'll, there, I don't know anywhere in the world that has, healthcare is as expensive as the U.S. Okay. And if you have good insurance in the U.S., you're fine, but, and more and more people okay. tend to have that now. So one of the reasons why I actually didn't get insurance when I was in the U.S. is I knew I should have it, so I looked into it and I looked at plans. And I found one, I was like, okay, I think it was 300 bucks a month. And I was like, I can afford this, you know, it's, it's going to be a, you know, a big expense, but I should get it. But then I actually read the fine print and I saw my deductible was something like $10,000. Yeah. So you, you get that in in case, for example, a friend of mine recently had his appendix out. Mm -hmm. He was hiking in the woods. He was camping, had a terrible stomach pain, you know, and he ended up crawling out of the woods and, and had to go to the hospital and ended up having a couple more days because there were some complications. And the, the whole ordeal cost was, the bill was $36,000, yeah. right? Um, 
So, in, so if your if your deductible is ten grand, you're still going to save twenty six thousand dollars that, that you would be. And so it, it's for yeah, it's, it's a high deductible for a disaster. Okay, for you got you got you know any surgery where you got to you know we got to be put under is going to cost you. I mean, this is an appendicitis. Yeah. So it was thirty six thousand dollars to have his appendix removed. That seems insane to me. So I think at that time, the reason why I decided not to get it at all was I figured I didn't have ten thousand dollars anyways. <laughs> you know, I could I barely had the three hundred dollars in the bank, and I was like, well, if I'm gonna get billed ten thousand, I might as well get billed thirty thousand. Right, right. When you can work with hospitals to work some of that stuff out. Okay, that um, is, yeah, don't right. But, you know, not the best move in the world. That was kind of just my, my rational, my thinking. Uh, the U.S. is the one place where I am where I actually think about I should have health insurance because if I get something as dumb as appendicitis, they're going to charge me $36,000. Okay. If I had appendicitis in, in Portugal and I didn't have insurance, I don't know what it would cost, but I'm sure it wouldn't cost anywhere near that. Yeah. And, uh, It'd be something that, you know, yeah, you could, it'll, it'll, you know, it'll put a jam on you, but you could pay it off in, in six months. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> Uh, so you have you have insurance back in the U.S. I have health insurance in the U.S. Yes. Okay. Uh, and I, I know you said that. You, but but wife... it's like yours. It's disaster insurance. It's um, you know my deductible is like five thousand dollars or something. Okay. You know. Do you, do you know what you pay per month for that? It's uh, close to three hundred. Okay. Not and, quite. And who is it with? Blue Cross Blue Shield. Okay. Do you know why uh, you guys chose that? It was, was the it... best. It was the cheapest plan for what we needed. Okay. Yeah. And I know it's confusing because there's like the HMO and then there's the normal. Yeah. Fortunately, my wife handles is very good at, at researching this stuff, and she okay. went through the whole painful process to find out what was best for our particular situation. Okay, but that was it. But not like a universal like recommendation. No, and we needed something that covered us in Portugal. Okay, because to get residency, you need a coverage there. Okay, makes sense. Uh, so there are travel insurances that are kind of made for travelers or digital nomads. One's called World Nomads. Uh, I looked at it, and it's very expensive. Um, but I've also heard, like seen personal friends who have posted on their Facebook saying like, "Hey, this happened, and World Nomads paid out, so they are recommended." Yeah, no, I know, I I know people who, for example, have gotten, uh, have worked with uh, my wife and went to get blood work and submitted the blood work to the travel insurance and was covered. Okay, perfect. Um, I personally use, uh, I have scuba diving insurance. Oh, nice. Through Divers Alert Network, Dan. Oh wow. And they happen to have. Um, some travel insurance that you can kind of that it's kind of add on to their diving insurance. So the reason why I, I've had it, I've had it for five years now, is because uh, as a dive master, when you're working in the diving field, you're required to buy this dive insurance. Right. Because if you ever get the bends, if you ever get a decompression illness, it's very expensive. It's like a thirty thousand dollar trip. Right. And and necessary to live. Yeah. And you, yeah, <laughs> and necessary to live. Uh, and immediately, like you, you need it immediately. Right away. Uh, and usually, you need a helicopters involved in there somewhere. Exactly. <laughs> right. And what's great about Dan is they are a nonprofit, uh, and they cover the helicopter. So if you're diving in some remote island somewhere, they will actually cover that, uh, which is why I got them. Uh, I paid, you know, not that much more, you know, uh, maybe a hundred bucks more a year for their travel insurance. And that actually covers me for, you know, for emergencies uh, or hospital visits anywhere outside of the U.S. So unfortunately, I'm completely screwed if I ever go back to the U.S., which is one of the reasons why I don't go back very often. Uh, but while traveling um, and the reason why I know that they do pay out is I when I was when I you know had to go to the hospital before I did I was, I called them <laughs> and said hey I'm in South Africa I hurt my leg which hospital can I go to what am I covered for and they were super cool uh, and they said 
they're like they're like well before that you know like let me you know uh they're like are you paying a lot for this call do you want us to call you back oh wow and i was like no no it's fine <laughs> and they're like okay well you know uh do you have friends in south africa or should we send you a taxi to oh wow bring, yeah and i was like wow thank you you know and they're like are you service they're like are you covered with your hotel do, do you want us to extend it for you and we're like we're like i was like wow this is really really nice wow yeah uh, did they pay for your uh, visit uh and then and, you know I, so i asked i said you know is there a, like a specific hospital i need to go to and they're like you can go anywhere you want get whatever you need and we'll pay we'll cover you up to 20 thousand dollars oh my god how much does that cost you what are the insurance it's like 150 bucks a year oh, it's very wow. cheap that's very uh, cheap so if you guys are scuba divers i would absolutely get this uh i don't you know do you, can you just be a patty diver do you have to be a, a... yeah I, th- I think you could just be any like I, I, I open don't, water if you have your open water i think if you have open water you can get it yeah oh, wow. uh, okay. and i honestly i think the only reason why they're so lenient is because diving diving accidents don't actually happen very right. often Right. So I think they just have this big endowment of people like me who've had it for five years, or you know, it, most likely the people in this program have had it for twenty years, right? And never never used, used it. it, right? And they have uh, their primary care back home, so they just don't you know really use it, right? right. Um, so when they do get a call, they're very nice to you. Oh, so cool. yeah, basically they said we'll cover everything, uh, just you know keep keep a copy of the receipts. I'm actually not going to file because I think all in all it was like 200 bucks. Oh, okay. So right. it's, it's not it's not worth my time to file and but it was nice knowing. So healthcare in South Africa is also quite affordable then. Yeah, it was uh, 130 bucks for the doctor's visit and the cast. Yeah, that's uh, that's pretty good. How long were you with the doctor? You know what? As, what's funny is uh, I was with the doctor for, for actually quite a, quite a while. He ex- really explained like everything to me. He sat down, talked to me about it, told me the options, told me like you know, talk to me about everything. And then afterwards, he apologized saying, hey, I'm sorry that I didn't have more time to spend with you. Because, and I said to him, I was like, this is 10 times as much time <laughs> as a doctor in the US would have spent. Uh, that's good. So, yeah, as, as many problems as South Africa has, uh, surprisingly, their, their hospital system was, was actually pretty decent. Fantastic. Um, and then here in Chiang Mai, you know, easy 65 bucks. So, you know, 200 bucks in total. I'm not going to bother right. claiming it. Right. Um, and you're feeling better. And I'm feeling better, so I'm happy with that. But it was nice to know that if I needed surgery, which was a, a chance, you know, right. like when I first, so for, for you know, so basically the, what had happened was I was warming up for, for CrossFit. Uh, so I can't actually blame CrossFit because I wasn't even doing the exercise, the workout for it. But I think also even during the warm up, you kind of like in this group of 20 people, you're like, your adrenaline's pumping. You're like, you know, you're probably jogging a bit faster than you would normally. you you were just doing like high knees skipping stuff. We were doing high knees. Um, so I probably pushed it a little bit too hard, you know, I, you know, right. which is my own fault completely. Uh, but it felt like someone threw a baseball in the back of my calf. <laughs> right. And I heard a pop. And I, at first I actually thought it was a cramp, you know. Uh, and I, was, I thought it was a bad cramp. And I was honestly a little bit embarrassed thinking like, oh my God, like I'm warming up for this. Um, what's going on? And this was literally a minute after the coach had just introduced me to, you know, the whole class. And I'm there, like, just limping. I can't do the warm-up. And I think – and then luckily, right as I – you know, that happened, uh, this this girl pulls up uh, for CrossFit, and she happens to be a massage therapist. So she, like, you know, brings me back to the gym, lays me down. And at first, we thought it was a cramp, so she started kind of massaging around it. and it felt like it actually felt better that she was doing it, uh, but obviously you know she couldn't fix the, the right, problem. Right. I, I guess here's a question: Is uh, 
if let's say it really was ruptured, 100% ruptured, would that massage have made it worse? Or uh, would it I- wouldn't have helped. I mean, it would have, uh, depends on the massage, but if it's ruptured, it'd be too painful to massage it. Okay, so I would it's usually a lot of, you know, lot, you know it, it bruises very easy. Yeah. It's very painful. An okay. actual ruptured muscle is, uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't, you wouldn't want her okay. rubbing on it. So, so my, my body would naturally just say, like, it, it would be stop. too painful. Okay. Yeah. At that stage, at that acute stage, it would have been too okay. painful. Yeah. So in general, well, our bodies tell us if it's if it's too painful. Like, so there's always gonna be a bit of pain, right? So you rub it. Yeah, and there's so many different kinds of pains, okay. right? There's like, oh, I worked out and I'm sore, versus like I get a sharp pain every time I step. Right? Okay. These are two very different symptoms. But the you know, pain is pain is the body's way of saying, hey, pay attention here, something's going on. Okay. And uh, you know, there's no such thing as normal pain, right? Okay. It's always something going on. Is soreness pain? It's kind of pain, but yeah. I don't really consider soreness from working it out the same as like okay. you know that kind of thing where all of a sudden you can't put weight on it mm. and it you know it hurts every time you move. That's okay. that's something's wrong. Um, okay. Pay attention to it. All right, that definitely makes sense. So if you if you hurt yourself, you hurt a muscle. Your your that body's natural tendency is to rub it. Your body's natural tendency is to rub it. Yeah, it's okay. like if you if you bump your head and you you know put your you rub your hand over it and, and that actually disrupts the nociception enough so that it. You know, that's a way to take the pain away, right? Okay. So if that hurts and you, you know, you rub your skin like that, uh, it'll, it'll feel better. Okay. Briefly. So, and it's a natural, you know, it's a natural reflex. So if you, you know, knock on wood, but if this ever happens to you guys, you hurt your leg, you hurt your muscle, uh, you you, you will naturally want to rub it. Go ahead and rub it. It's not going to hurt you. All right. It'll, it, it might maybe bring some more blood to it. It might help it a bit. Yeah. It's just the same thing. Like if you ever had a, a dentist who really knew what they were doing I and mean, when they gave you the shot, before they gave the shot, they like put their... They put their finger on your gum and like moved your jaw okay. or moved your cheek. You ever had that happen? Oh, no. Well, when they do that, it disrupts the signal going for for the needle going in. You know? oh. and it's it, good dentists will do this. They'll, they'll shake okay. your cheek, and as that goes in, you won't feel it. It'll be like literally painless. So it's the same thing. You whack your head and you rub it. Okay. You know, you, you overstimulate another area, and and it'll disrupt that pain. Okay. And then if it's if you're gonna make it worse, your body will tell you like, hey, stop touching it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Pay attention to pain. Pay attention to pain. Okay. People ignore pain. They'll push through the pain. And if it's soreness, that's one thing. If it's actual sharp pain, it's like, okay. stop. Well, I guess the question about soreness. So let's say you're really sore from like, you know, a workout. Is it bad to get a massage the next day? When no, sore? absolutely not bad to get a massage the next day. Okay. No. It usually feels good. Okay. <laughs> uh, get, you know, getting blood moving, getting lymph moving in those areas definitely speeds up healing. I'm a huge fan of massage. Good okay. massage. Okay. I like it. Uh, so... Other, I guess, other things, you know, like kind of last minute things that people might be scared of, right? So if you you guys are coming to Thailand, for example, uh, I guess what I would probably recommend is check with whatever healthcare provider you have already. Many of them will cover you while you travel. Okay. So then if if that covers it already, then don't worry about it. Right. Um, If you you don't have to worry about, you know, getting antibiotics or uh, or getting cold or getting food poisoning because you can just go to a pharmacy. Pharmacy and those great, those and these cities, Bangkok and Chiang Mai. Anyway, there's fantastic physicians and hospitals. Okay, uh, if you break a leg uh, or you know need surgery for something like this, uh, you know accident, you want to have some kind of travel insurance. Yep. Okay. Or your insurance to cover you in that, or, in yeah. that case. Yeah. Or your insurance to cover you. Um, and it happens. The most common is is people renting motorcycles. And uh, you see it all the time, right? They get yeah. rental motors that they're they're not used to the scooter, and they they're not used to the traffic, and they usually not terrible, but they fall off, and they get you know road rash. You, you walk into any waiting room here, you'll see some foreigner with ro- okay. terrible road rash, and it's usually a motorcycle issue. So just double check with your insurance carrier that it covers that, because usually it doesn't. And if they if it does, it'll say you need a a, a motorcycle license. 
uh, uh, for cover. Yeah. Or I guess you can just not tell the, the hospital that you were on a motorcycle. Right, or you got sideswiped or whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so what, what about fears of like long-term illness like let's say you know you're you're traveling you, you know you let's say you you go quit your job back home so you no longer have their health insurance you just bought some travel insurance and you come out to thailand you know and you just you know you care for your traveling and unfortunately you know you you get diagnosed with cancer yeah your question is then what then what uh if i if that was the case i'd go home would you <laughs> yes and and in today's with the new and and again i can only speak for america um but I'm sure it's like this in other countries. Uh, if, if you go home and you don't have insurance, nowadays you can get it. I think if you're, you know, if you're from England or something, that you're covered automatically. Um, something like that, I would go uh, to be around family and a physician who's going to follow me through that illness the whole time. Okay. Um, so unfortunately, cancer is, you know, such a real thing. Yeah. And you know, it's it's more common than I think people know. I think you know a lot of people are fortunate where they've never never had a family friend or never had anyone in their family get it themselves i don't know anybody who doesn't know somebody who's really? got cancer it's not, maybe common, not yeah. in their family do yeah. you know any do you know people who have a cancer so uh before lewis's mom never met anybody even extended family who's ever had cancer well you just didn't ask and you know what to be honest i think maybe kind of growing up in in my my upbringing my like the asian american upbringing we just didn't talk about it that and that could be it but you for sure knew somebody whose mother had breast cancer or whose father okay. had colon cancer there's is you know research that i've seen or stats that i've seen says one in four people yeah and i don't know how accurate that is but that, that's been my experience i don't know anybody who doesn't know somebody who either a family member or a friend or a friend's you know parent who hasn't had a battle with cancer okay it's, it's too common so best kind of best ways to prevent this? Yeah, it's all lifestyle. Yeah, you mean, okay. we, we, we live in a toxic environment. We can't escape that. You, so you do your best, right? Okay. People start off their day, you know, in a toxic way. They'll, they'll brush their teeth with, you know, Crest that's got sodium lauryl sulfate and aspartame in it. And then they'll, they'll drink out of their soft plastic water bottle. And then they'll have a Diet Coke for dinner or, or for lunch. And then they'll... Uh, you know, they had a very high stress job, and you know, it's 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 one thing after the other. It's 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 it's, it's all lifestyle stuff. You do your okay. best. So, what is your best? Eat clean food. Okay. Exercise. Okay. Control your stress. Uh, don't smoke. All the common sense things, and, and you know, and you, you worrying about it is one of the ways to get it. Okay. <laughs> right? Because in my view, that what you think about, what you worry about, gets bigger. So I don't worry about cancer. What I yeah. what I focus on is eating right, mm-hmm. st- uh, doing exercise, having a good relationships, controlling stress. Um, all of these things will, will lead to a healthier eye. Will I avoid cancer? I, I don't know. Yeah. I'd like to. I'd yeah. like to think I do, but I don't ever think about it. Okay. I don't. It doesn't cross my mind that I'm going to get cancer. Uh, it doesn't. Uh, it doesn't occupy a thought. Now, if I was a smoker, I, I would. I, I should be worried. Okay. You know, if I drank. Four, five, six drinks a day, I should be worried, right? Okay. If I ate shit all day long, I should be worried. Okay. So my kind of plan with this has always been, so I, I honestly don't really, I don't think about it either, which, which is a good thing probably, but I did think about it once and just said, okay, what would my plan be? And I think uh, kind of exactly what you said, I can, I can try to be as healthy as possible. So, you know, there's all these, you know, like after people 
get cancer. Yeah, then, people... then they yeah, so come to Jesus moment. Right? Yeah. Then the changes happen. And then they, you know, they're like, okay, I need to eat more fresh vegetables. I need to eat less processed food. I need, you know, less All crap. Right. Yeah. So I decided, I was like, you know what? Let me just eat that now. Start now. So I started now. Um, <laughs> same thing. Yeah, the the, the yeah. worst thing that happens is you feel better. Yeah. Right. So uh, same thing with exercise. Um, you know, you know, unfortunately, you know, so cancer itself, it's it's such a complicated thing, but it's also just. In general, if you break it down, it's just you know you 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 just being. It's a system out of balance. Yeah, and, yes. and your body your your body is not healthy. Something's wrong. Something is wrong. Immune system is low. That's right. Yeah, and so you 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 battle it through structural, chemical, and emotional balance. Okay, uh, so big reason why you shouldn't stress. You know, have a super high stressful job, or you know, have a stressful relationship, or have you know, be in a you know in a in a poisonous environment. Yeah, heart heart disease, cardiovascular disease, <clears throat> cancer, and general all around. What am I doing this for? <clears throat> right. Okay. You can, and sometimes although you might not be able to control your environment, the first thing you can start to do is control how you respond to that environment. Okay. And many people just can't quit their jobs that they hate because they have others. But so you find ways to view it differently. But it's a, it's a, it's as important as like you know stopping smoking because these things they literally okay. kill you. So. I'm sorry for you know any of you guys who listen who smoke. I, I honestly have no respect for you guys because. But you, you understand, addiction's a disease. Yeah. Right. So people smoke for emotional reasons, yeah. and so it, you it's it's. Uh, I have a lot of compassion for smokers because <clears throat> I'm sure if you ask them, they would rather be a non-smoker. Yeah. All of them would rather be a non-smoker, okay. but there's something that's driving that desire. Something that is saying. Uh, that there's a there's a slow suicide happening. Yeah. So what's going? What's the picture behind the picture? There's always an emotional reason why someone picks up something that's deadly like that. Right. And it's you know I don't know any smoker who doesn't know about cancer. They, in today's world, they know. Yeah. If they're a Westerner, they know. I think so. People, there's an emotional part behind yeah. that. I think people absolutely know. They just choose to not think about it, to put it off. Because yeah, yeah. you're probably right. Because there's something else going on in their life. There's always pain that's being covered up with that addiction. If you guys smoke, figure out what that pain is. Get treatment. Stop because That's the key. it's terrible. Figure out what the pain is. Yeah. Treat that, and then the, and then you'll, the desire All to right. smoke will be less. Uh, and if you are in, around people who smoke, get out. Get out. Don't be around them. <laughs> Walk uh, away. You know if like. And I used to be more tolerant. Where if I was like, let's say I was outdoors and someone was smoking at the table next to me, I used to be like, okay, whatever. It's not that big of a deal next door. But uh, Larissa's mom got cancer from lung cancer from secondhand smoke oh, yeah, it's common and to me that is the most unfair thing in the world yeah uh and that's a that's a big reason why i avoid smokers completely walk away i and now i completely walk away i'll change tables yeah. I, you know if <clears throat> you know i'll politely ask someone like you know please don't smoke next to me um so th- th- that that's what we can do yes. uh so i used to you know i used to have so th- there's so much information out there like mixed information about like uh, treating cancer yeah uh that's a yeah that's a that's a big industry so before i actually spoke to you the other day i had already decided in my mind i said you know what knock on wood i don't want to ever get cancer uh but if i ever do i'm not going to get chemo i'm you know i'm going to do whatever i can i'm going to be extra healthy uh and try to find it fight it and if it if it doesn't work and it takes my life 
it takes my life. Yeah. Uh, but then you mentioned something about one specific cancer that has a very high well, cure rate. Yeah, I mean the thing with with cancer is you know if I if I had cancer I would do whatever was required, and part of that is is finding out what works. There are certain leukemias where chemotherapy cures you know in the high ninety percent. If I had one of those leukemias and I and the research showed that people who had you know if you got chemo that your cure rate was in the ninety percent. That I'm, you know, sign me up. Okay. If I had pancreatic cancer, and I know that people would get chemo on pancreatic cancer, that they have a, you know, that that chance is much lower. It's like, you know, I I probably wouldn't go down that road for that, but that's my own personal choice. Okay, and and same with lung cancer as well. Certain lung cancers, uh, you know, people survive lung cancer. They mm-hmm. get the surgery, they get the proper chemo for that particular type of tumor, and they survive it. Like Lance Armstrong, right? Okay, I, I believe his cancer went to his lungs, but. It would depend, and you know, it's it's case by case. There are okay. some times where that, you know, what the the cure rate for this particular cancer is high with this particular treatment. Sign me up. I'm also going to do everything else. I'm going to do all the mm. lifestyle stuff. I'm going to do all the crazy wacky stuff that's out there. I'm I'm throwing it all at it. Okay, right? that that absolutely makes sense. So, uh, so what what would the, like would it be appropriate? You know, to ask the doctor, say, what is the cure rate? What, you know, you know, like if I do go through this protocol, if I go through chemo, like, yes. what is the chances? Yeah. Well, yeah, they'll tell they any any oncologist will tell you. Okay, and will they say like fourteen percent? They'll tell they... you. What, they should be able to know what the what the research shows. They okay. keep they keep those numbers, and they, they say you know people who have this cancer here's what here's here's what the outcome is. Okay, those numbers are. In generally, pretty good. There's just statistics. Well, and will they like? Will they be honest with you? So let's say you had lung cancer, and you said, you know, and they suggest chemo, and you, in, would they say like, to be honest, you know, the the cure rate for this is less than ten percent? Depending on the, a good oncologist will tell you the the a good doctor is going to tell you the truth, and you okay. can choose to do. For some people, a one in ten chance is 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 all they need. Really? Okay. Uh, so in that case, would it like would it be okay for you to be like, okay, you know, I'm gonna get a second opinion. Always. Okay. Always. And any good oncologist will say, yes, here's three other great guys who I think would be good to look at this. Okay. Remember, it's your health. Yeah. And you're the one who, inevitably, you're the one who gets to say. You get to say, yes, I want to go down okay. this path. If you go, if you have cancer and you go to your oncologist and some of them are just not the best people or not, mm-hmm. doesn't look like they have your best interest in mind or they're okay. too busy or they're distracted, find another one because you'll find someone who will listen to you and say yes let's let's find the best approach here okay so in general doctor shop is a good thing so in general would you take that the the referral or would you say it will would you be like you know what let me let me find my own because i would get two or three okay why not okay fine and you know if they all start saying the same thing you there's you know there's a reason for that but a second opinion when you have cancer a second opinion is par for the course you need one okay so I know. I know this is a big, big topic, uh, but in general, because because in most cases, except for the the, the one that you said was a high cure rate. Uh, I'm saying there's a lot of them, but for okay. le- leukemia is a common leukemia. one okay. where they, where or someone who's got a certain type of blood uh, uh, dyscrasia, some leukemia, and there's a certain chemos, and you look at the cure rate for them, and it's very high. And like, okay. I mean, I'm, I'm I mean, almost like it cures it. Okay. Um, so in, in I'm, those I'm cases, I'm not an expert in yeah. cancer. I'm sure there are other yeah. ones like that. This is one that I'm familiar okay. with. So in those cases, 100, percent you know, you know, you want the stats. Get the stats, and then you make your decision. Okay. But in general, I'd say these things are, you know, are concerns that we should think about as a traveler. But it's it's 
it's not our top priority. We, you know, we don't have to specifically, you know, s- you know, search out a, a healthcare provider that you know will can you know, will cover us in this in this small small chance. I yeah, I certainly don't. Okay, right? but I'm at a low cancer risk. Yeah, I'm you know I eat well, I exercise, I don't smoke, and I don't drink drink very much. Right? Okay, if, if I had the opposite thing, I might start I might start to worry about that. But most people who would live those lifestyles don't think about it until it actually happens. And, you know, cancers take a long... You can smoke for 30 years before that shows up. You can smoke for 40 years and never show up. It doesn't mean you're going to have other health things. Your bad heart, bad lungs, but... Okay. Awesome. So, I think we covered a lot in this, in this episode. Uh, we're kind of excited about it. So, kind of to wrap, to wrap it up is prevention is, is key. Prevention is key. Right. Yes. Take care of your body now. So if you didn't do those physical tests that we talked about earlier, go ahead and rewind this or visit the links. Do those because I, I promise you it's, it's so important. It's so important, especially if you're an athlete. If you, can, if you don't have those positions and you rehab them, you will be stronger once you have those positions. Okay. Start eating healthy. Start lowering your stress. Um, you know, don't, yeah, and, and don't, don't worry too much about about, about some of these big things. Yeah. Find ways to view your world differently. All right. And see more of the world with us. Shannon, thank you so much for being on the show. My pleasure. Thanks, Shannon. If people want to uh, check out your website or get in touch. Uh, I have a website, drshannonweeks.com, although it's not visited. I, I, don't, <laughs> I, I don't spend a whole lot of time on it, but you can, you can see information about me and some videos and stuff. Okay. And uh, they can check out your, your wife who, who does more of the My wife has a full online consultation business. She's DrAlexisShields.com. Okay. And she's who I use uh, for my blood tests and for, you know, basically I'm very, very lucky that I have both of you as, as friends. Uh, but what's nice is, you know, by having you on the show, I'm kind of extending your knowledge, but also your, you know, your help uh, to everyone listening. So yeah, I greatly, greatly appreciate it. And appreciate you being on and I'll see you, see everyone next week. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Travel Like a Boss podcast. If you want to hear more, including the bonus, how to choose the perfect niche episode, join our mailing list at travellikeabosspodcast.com. See you next week. And remember, if you want to travel like a boss, you need to be your own boss. So start your online business today and start living the lifestyle you've always dreamed of.